SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Conference USA podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. Joe Lonergan and Eric Henry here with you once again. Excited to have yet another CUSA head coach on the show this morning. He is a repeat offender, as we like to say, head coach of the FIU Panthers, uh, Butch Davis. Thank you so much for your time, coach, and happy to have you back on the show. Well, it's great to be with you. It's good to always talk about FIU football. Yes, indeed, Eric. I know you and uh, Coach Davis uh, got to spend a lot of time together uh, pre-COVID, but uh, now we're we're reunited virtually and excited to hear what he has to say about the summer. Yeah, no doubt about it. A lot of time pre-COVID, a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of post-game interviews. Some good, some not so good. But you know, I know the one thing Coach Davis is looking forward to in 2021 is putting the uh, the acronym, or I guess we consider the acronym, putting that that acronym COVID long behind us so so with that i, I will uh, i'll start with with my questioning but i, I do want to have coach tell one story that he and i have talked about um i know our broader cusa audience does not know about it, and you may not as well joe so coach if you don't mind would you would you be kind enough to tell the the story of your guys's travel to lynchburg last year that in in hindsight ended up being somewhat of a premonition for the entire season just based on how tumultuous that was yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I think probably a lot of schools had a lot of challenges, but um, I mean, we literally had one of the biggest challenges that I've ever heard of, or that I certainly have ever had, that in preparation for the first game against the University of Liberty, uh, literally nine days prior to that game, we only had three offensive linemen, and uh, we had already gone through the, the spring period where we had no off-season conditioning. We had no spring practices. Our players were sent home off of campus for almost close to five months. When we got them back and guys started testing and we had, you know, the first test we had, we had 17 positive tests and we had dozens and dozens of contact tracing. I mean, all those kinds of things. And it really truly impacted the entire team. And I thought we were going to have one of the best teams last year. You know, we had a lot of good players coming back and, and some talented players that we had added to the to the roster, and we literally, when it finally got time to to actually start uh, the training camp, so so to call it, we had no team periods. I mean, with only three offensive linemen, you can't run. You know, you can't scrimmage. You know, I mean, you did a we did a lot of individual drills. We did obviously a lot of things that we could do on special teams. And then finally, when it looked like we weren't going to get a lot of those offensive guys back, I moved uh, two defensive linemen over uh, to be in the in the in the offensive line, just so that we could actually have uh, team periods that we could go out and have a little bit of scrimmage and stuff. Going to Liberty the week of the game, we got three more of the offensive linemen came out of the contact tracing and the testing positive and the isolation and the quarantine that they'd been in for for over three weeks and uh you know in the, that game you know we were very very close you know liberty was a good team uh they had a good season and uh you know we got down to the last you know 30 40 seconds of the game and we dropped a, a two-point conversion that we could have won that game and um and then for the rest of this you know the rest of the season 
a couple of weeks, you know, games got canceled because we didn't have enough players. Uh, we were down in the 40s for practice and playing, and then we'd get enough to maybe play one game, but the kids were playing and they hadn't practiced or worked out or trained for two, three weeks. So it was a, it was a nightmare of the 2020 season. But, uh, uh, you know, the story about going to play Liberty – uh, you know, it was it was an unbelievable challenge. And and coach, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys even even on the flight to to uh, to Virginia up there, that that was a kind of a hairy situation. <laughs> yeah. Am I all right? <laughs> yeah, that's one of those trips that you kind of you know going through the mountains and uh, Virginia, and it's foggy and it's cloudy and and the plane and literally you know we'd been circling the airport and you know, the pilot on a, on a charter, one of the assistant pilots came out and said, Hey, we may have to go find another airport and you may have to get buses and then bus three or four hours back to Lynchburg where they are. And, uh, but finally, you know, they made an attempt to go down through the clouds and I think everybody had a double grip on the, on the, on the seats just to make sure that we landed and uh, everybody was cheering when we finally did get on the ground. Something about that area. Unfortunately, I had the same similar situation trying to fly into Lynchburg. So uh, definitely we'll take, a, a, you know, our counter blessings that we're starting the season at Ricardo Silva next year. But uh, yeah, with, no. with that, exactly, Coach. With that, I uh, want to go and give you a chance to talk about some of the coaching changes. Uh, I believe it's six new coaches or, or six coaches in, in new positions. Of course, Bryn Renner comes over from corners with, with the quarterbacks. So uh, that's that's what a coach was on your staff, but an overall couple changes that uh, that have occurred over the sure. offseason. If you, you want to take a moment to uh, kind of talk about those and what went into sure. making those Absolutely. decisions. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously you already mentioned uh, Brendan moving from the corners. Uh, you know, when I when I hired him to do that. Uh, you know, he had always been offensively his entire career. Played in college for me at North Carolina, played in the National Football League at Baltimore and the, and the Denver Broncos and stuff. And, and one of the things I kind of use myself as an example for Jimmy Johnson, I started my career coaching the tight ends and wide receivers and then flipped over when I came to Miami to coach the defensive line. And I said, you know, that really truly helped me become a good, not only defensive line coach, but a linebacker coach and then eventually the defensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys is having that great, you know, five years of coaching offense because you really truly start to understand how offenses attack you. And like I told Brent, I said, coaching in the secondary, when you get a chance at some point, which was definitely going to happen in the future, you know, that coaching, you know, defensively, now you know how to attack and how to, protections and all those kinds of things. So obviously moving Brent over to the quarterbacks has been a very, very good move. Uh, he's an excellent teacher, really good recruiter and stuff. And I think that was good for him. Uh, bringing in Everett Withers as our defensive coordinator. We hired him here two years ago and, uh, and he was here for a short amount of time, a week or so. And then he got an opportunity to go uh, to the New York Giants. And he had been uh, at the Tennessee Titans. He had been at the New Orleans uh, Saints and and obviously a chance to go to the Giants is is really a good honor for any of the assistant coaches to get those kinds of opportunities and but getting him back he was with me at the University of North Carolina as a defensive coordinator and we had great defenses uh, the players were great the teaching and the and the schemes and all of those kinds of things ever does a great job he's been a head coach at two different Division One schools and. Uh, so he's a, he's an excellent coach, and having him there to supervise and overview, uh, you know, to over uh, cover the the uh, the defense will be excellent. We brought with him Randall McRae, who was with the Arizona Cardinals the last two years. 
and has been a defensive coordinator. He's coached linebackers, so that's another really, really good addition to it. Uh, to take the place for the corners when Bryn Renner went over, uh, bringing in Brandon Harris. And uh, Brandon had been here a couple of years ago as a graduate assistant, was an excellent teacher. Uh, he's been at Florida State, so getting him here, uh, he's a really, really good recruiter, very good teacher, so that part of it is really good. And then our defensive line coach is Deke Adams. And uh, just being around him, I didn't know much about him, but but Everett had, uh, had some – some uh, familiarity with him and everything, and he is outstanding. He can't, he's coming from Ole Miss. Uh, he's been at several of the SEC schools. He's been at South Carolina. He's been at Mississippi State. Uh, he's he's a terrific coach, and our defensive line kids, they're going to be unbelievably blessed uh, to have him as their teacher. Uh, as the uh, offensive coordinator, uh, you know, we've got Andrew Briner, who has been – he's been a head coach. Uh, in college, he's been an offensive coordinator. Uh, he was at Mississippi State as the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach. And, and most recently, he was with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I really like because the mentality of the way he perceives offenses to be uh, is very, very similar to the way the 12, 13 years that I spent in the NFL. There's a lot of things that I wanted to do. And uh, and Andrew and I are really in the in the same situation. We understand it, so uh, we're glad to have all these guys uh, in the in, you know in our staff and our players. Obviously, going through spring practice and now during some of the OTAs and the off-season workouts and stuff, our players are really buying into it. They really appreciate uh, the passion that these coaches have, and uh, and we'll you know I'm anxious to see how this uh, turns out this fall. Coach, one of the positives from last year, and this is kind of a discussion that I've had amongst Conference USA circles, is Devontae Price. Again, in, in Conference USA circles, I've been pretty adamant that Devontae Price is as good as any running back in, in this league. I just want to give you a chance to talk about your running back for, for those of us who aren't around the program every day who may not know just how good he is. Yeah. Well, obviously, last year, you know, I think he was somewhere in the middle of like 650-something yards in only five games. And and that was playing with an offensive line that started off with a couple of defensive linemen playing in the offensive line and no training and stuff like that. So he really did a, a, an excellent job. Uh, I think he was clearly on track. If we'd have played 12 games, he'd have been close to 15, 1800 yards and you know, who knows how many touchdowns. Uh, you know, now that the offensive line is significantly better, a little more experienced, a little more uh, veteran guys that are there, you know, I, I think you'll see a dramatically different impact that'll help not only Devontae Price, but all the rest of our running backs. But the thing that I really liked about him coming out of high school, he was a hurdler. Uh, he ran sprints and stuff. And I think that you could see a lot of that very evident, you know, when he came in as a true freshman, and as a sophomore, and we started getting him into games and giving him opportunities to to play and do a variety of different things. And he's a good leader, and and uh, we're really glad that he did, chose to come back and play this last year. Coach, one of the things that you and I had a chance to talk about, and you know, you used to be able to have an, another excellent recruiting class, one of the top uh, top four recruiting classes in Conference USA. But given the the circumstances around the pandemic, you didn't get a chance to meet a lot of these kids face to face until you know some of the the ones who were able to early enrollee, you get a chance to see them at that point. How uh, how different was recruiting this year, given the fact that you didn't get a chance to see them face-to-face? -face? Yeah. And the second part of that question, Coach, is 
you just finished having a series of camps, or actually I shouldn't say just finished, I, I believe there's one more that's coming up in a couple of days. Um, how nice is it to have the kids back on campus and to get a chance to see them in person? Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I gotta believe that every coach has to be a little bit you know, concerned in the fact that we've recruited a, a, a freshman class that's coming in that never made an official visit. And uh, so we didn't get a chance to meet the parents, uh, have the player come. We did a lot of the things that just about everybody else did. We did Zoom meetings. We did Zoom home meetings. Uh, our coaches had opportunities to uh, to meet with these guys on the Zoom, you know, you know, a half a dozen or more times during the course of the recruiting process. And, uh, you know, so you get a feel, you don't, you know, you get a feel when you look at them, you know, how intent are they, how much, you know, how, how easy do they talk and those kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, I'm anxious to get them here. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, they're coming in here in the course of today, over the next three or four days, we'll get all the incoming freshman kids are coming here for summer session B. And, uh, you know, it's been good to kind of meet them in person and, and, you know, start to find out their personalities and, and those things. We relied, you know, a pretty significant amount with their high school guidance counselors, uh, their high school coaches and people like that, that could, you know, validate exactly what type of person, their passion, their work ethic. And uh, so it's different. I mean, and you talked about this, uh, the deal with camps. We have six camps. We've had three of them so far. And we've had close to 1,500 kids in these first three camps. Uh, from like, and I, we've had players from 23 states. Uh, uh, we're, we're somewhere in the neighborhood. I think we're having like almost 450 or 60 high schools, okay, have sent kids to our camps for the first three. So, you know, obviously the recruiting in 2021 is going to be significantly different because now you get a chance to watch them in camps. You get a chance to go watch them play on Friday nights in their high school seasons, and you'll be able to bring them in and have the 48-hour, uh, you know, official visits. And so, you know, it, dramatically different. But uh, we really feel good about the kids that we signed last year. We were very, very particular about how many we would take and what type of kids we would take, uh, their GPA, their grades, uh, were they captains and leaders of their team, uh, you know, how productive were they. And so, you know, we're pretty excited to bring those guys in. Got two more for you, Coach, and I'll pass the line of questioning <laughs> off to Joe. Uh, you know, it feels like I ask you this question almost every year because the seemingly the, the landscape around it changes every year. Coach, what is your personal approach to the transfer portal? Is it a situation now where, you know, being a coach of a, of a G5 school, you just have to account as seemingly all other G5 schools do that yeah. you're going to lose a handful of players to, you know, quote unquote, bigger power five schools? Well, to be honest with you, and that has nothing to do with it. Okay. okay. But I'm probably going to be very, very unpopular. I think that the portal thing, I think, is bad, okay? One, one for some of the reasons that you said about where, you know, the Alabamas, as they poached, I mean, they poached players from Tennessee and Ohio State and all these different places and, and stuff. I think it teaches players a bad thing, that if things aren't going very good, Let's just jump ship, okay? Let's just let's start. I'm going to transfer, okay? I don't like the competition. I don't like having to try to win the playing role and stuff. Well, when when you put that in the in the in the frame of life, is if something's going on in your marriage, are you going to just jump ship? 
or would you rather truly try to fix it or work it out? If you have a, a, a college diploma and you get a career and, and maybe the person that you're working with, I mean, you could jump ship and leave the business or the corporation or wherever it is that you work, but you may not end up with a good, with a good, uh, a better job than you have. This is the stuff that the NCAA, you know, they make a decision about it. But American Football Coaches Association, at one time this spring, there was like 1,900 and X number of few other players that were in the portal in college football. And at the time, there was only 200 and something scholarships available. So 1,700 kids quit, dropped their school, dropped their scholarship, left, and now they're on the street. So what are they going to do? They're going to go to a junior college. They're going to, they can't go to college. They're going to pay their way. I just, I, I, I just don't believe that it's a good thing for players. I think if, you know, I, I can tell you all the decades of kids that, that we had high profile, great players at Miami and Oklahoma state and North Carolina that came in as a freshman and on the depth chart, they were the third or the fourth guy in today's life they would have jumped ship and they would have left and they would have gone someplace else. And the next thing you know, two years later, they're a starter, they're a first, second round draft choice, and they turned their entire career and their life around and, and turned it into something special. So, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit on the anti. I think if they want to train, I, I liked the idea that they used to have. If they want to portal, they want to get in and they want to get a scholarship and go someplace else, no problem. But you can't be eligible immediately for one year. You got to set out and then see how many people really truly decide that's the direction they want to go. So I was going to have one more question. I'm probably in the worst. I'm probably in a group of coaches, very, very small. There may be a lot of other coaches that see it totally different, but I think it's, I, I just think it's a bad thing for the kids. No, absolutely. Joe, I was going to have one more question, but I just looked at the clock and we're about 15 minutes in. I'll have the fall and plenty of time covering FIU to ask Coach Davis questions. So I want to leave you some time to get your question in. So go for it, Joe. <clears throat> Yeah, no, no problem. Coach, uh, you mentioned before we started recording that uh, one of your favorite things to do uh, now that, you know, things are starting to open back up and, and everybody's getting vaccinated that we can, you know, start having fun again. You mentioned that uh, one of your favorite things to do was go to the movies with your wife. So my question is, seen any good movies lately? Haven't haven't gone yet, but as soon as they start to open up, I mean, our, my wife and I and my son, we love golf. So we play golf, you know, a lot and you're outside, you have to wear a mask and those kinds of things. But I really, truly do. I enjoy going and watching movies and, uh, you know, a variety of things, comedies and spy movies and all different kinds of things. Uh, you know, the Jurassic parks and just about, I mean, I, you know, Probably over the course of a year when I could go to movies and stuff, I would probably maybe go somewhere between 10 and 20 movies uh, during the course of the whole year. And I just enjoy doing it. I like uh, I like the gigantic screen. I like having the popcorn and, and uh, just watching actors and how well, you know, they put together great movies and stuff. Yeah, you know, the movie theaters are, uh, a, you know, they're a dying breed, but I completely agree. It's such a fun experience still. Yeah. Um, coach, now that, you know, the summer's kind of getting back into gear and recruiting events and practices in general can happen in person again, what does the summer schedule look like for a program like yours? Yeah, well, obviously right now our entire coaching staff and graduate assistants and support staff, we are, you know, way up to our uh, up to our throat in all of these camps like we said earlier we've had over a thousand five hundred kids in three camps and uh but our players 
you know, the majority of them came back for summer session A, so they've gotten an opportunity to get started uh, with a really great off-season conditioning program, the running, the lifting. Andrew Swayze, our head strength and conditioning uh, coach, I, he was with me at the University of Miami. He, he does an impactful thing on all these athletes, on their flexibility, their agility, their conditioning, and those kinds of things. So he's doing a good job. And uh, for the first time, you know, we're going to get probably 8 to 10 to 12 weeks leading up to the start of the season. So that's going to be very important. Obviously, the new coaching staff spending a lot of time putting together new playbooks and, and making uh, visual cut-ups, you know, to incorporate when we start having individual meetings and team meetings and offensive, defense, special teams meetings to show cut-ups from places that those coaches have come from or things that we're going to incorporate into it, things that we've seen in the National Football League over the last couple of years uh, that we think would be very uh, impactful on some of our players. Because to be honest with you, Joe, one of the things that I, I, you know, scheme is one thing. And everybody can say, okay, well, we run the wishbone, we run the eye formation, we run the gun run. So I, to me, it's about incorporating an offense, a defense, and a special teams uh, schemes that fit your kids. What do they do? What, what really lets their best talents be exposed and being put into game plans? And so, you know, it, I mean, all the years that I've coached, whether it's at Miami, you know, what do you do with Santana Moss? What do you do with Reggie Wayne, Edron James? Well, when you go to North Carolina, you know, what do you do with Hakeem uh, Nix? What do you do with uh, Giovanni Bernard? I mean, everybody, you've got talented players. Now let's incorporate things that will really showcase those kids. Absolutely. Coach, out of curiosity, how often do you keep in touch with a lot of those, you know, NFL uh, products that you produced in those days? Yeah. You know what? A lot, to be honest with you. I mean, we've had a lot of kids that played for me, you know, at Miami and played at North Carolina. Kids from the Cleveland Browns have come to practices. Uh, Russell Maryland, several of them. Lonzo Highsmith and those guys have made presentations to our teams. Uh, uh, William Green, that was my first uh, running back uh, selection at the uh, Cleveland Browns, he's come down and done motivational speaking to our kids. Uh, you know, <laughs> this was crazy. One day in spring, we had eight players that played for me at the University of North Carolina. It was at practice, and they were down here, and they came and hung out and watched practice and stuff. So it's, you know, uh, that's probably one of the most treasured things of being a coach is having players that you've coached over decades that, uh, you know, you get a chance to watch them play collegiately, play in the NFL. Now they're fathers. Now they've got careers. Now they've got wives and children. And, and to just kind of follow those guys and, and uh, be, a, you know, be fortunate enough to have been in their life uh, is very important to me. Yeah, I can certainly understand that. Uh, Coach, coming up in the fall, uh, FIU's got several games. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but you've got a, a fair amount of games on national TV this year. What does that mean uh, for the program as it continues to, you know, grow and develop and um, you yeah. use that as maybe a pitching tool? Oh, absolutely, Joe. No, there's no question about it that, uh, you know, anytime that you have an opportunity to, to showcase your program and your players, uh, there's things that we're extraordinarily proud of. I think we've graduated 92% of our seniors in the last four years. 
you'd like for those kind of messages to be extended out, you know, nationally over the television games. Uh, players like James Morgan making it, getting drafted in the fourth round by the New York Jets, and the players that are playing. Tier Tart started last year for the Tennessee Titans, a defensive tackle from here. And so all of those kinds of things gives you a chance to showcase what the program, uh, I can tell you that the victory uh, beating the University of Miami and in, in, in uh, 2019, I mean, those kinds of games, because not only the game in and of itself, but because, you know, it, it has television exposure, you know, it really dramatically, it helps you in your recruiting because it catches people's attention, the players themselves, uh, their parents, the high school coaches, and they go, wow, you know, those guys, they, they weren't on bowl games for, for five years prior. But, you know, the first three years that we were here, we went to bowl games. And, and all of those kinds of things really, truly try to help expose, you know, the potentiality of the school and the program. Fantastic. Coach, last question for you before we let you go. Uh, I understand you and your wife are very involved in uh, Inform Families, which is a great organization in South Florida there. Um, care to you know tell the people a little bit about what that organization is and what you guys do there? Yeah, you know what, Joe, thank you so much for bringing that up. Uh, you and Eric, I mean, it, it, that's one of the things we got involved in 1995. And, uh, you know, I'd been at, in, in Miami with Jimmy Johnson in the 80s. And when I came back as the head coach, uh, Peggy Sapp is the director of the of Informed Families. And she made, she made a presentation to me and to my wife about the impact that that community service has for Dade County families is unbelievable. And the impact over all these decades that it has had. And, uh, you know, uh, they do a, they do a dinner at the end of the season at Joe's stone crab and Joe stone crab has been spectacular. They give the people that work there, the, the food that night, everything is free. All the tables that they sell raises money. And basically what it does is it, it goes around throughout the entire Dade County to elementary schools and to middle schools about saying no to drugs, uh, to really truly try to educate uh, young people in the community. It helps families that have uh, dysfunctional things that are going on in their family. And, and, and honest to God, guys, I mean, that's when you can truly impact families that really help them when they don't have anybody else that they can turn to to try to help them and inform families has money. They have the ability to, to whether it's medical, whether it's uh, psychological, whatever kind of help that they can do. Uh, to try to help those families and to go around. Uh, we, we try to get our players to do community things. Obviously, last year we didn't get a chance to do it, but they go and, and do speaking engagements at elementary schools and middle schools and, and talk about, you know, saying no to drugs. And uh, so it's just it's a, it's a great community service, and uh, my wife and I have been blessed to be able to be a part of it and, and are unbelievably grateful for Joe Stonecrab to – to help raise the money that that funds a significant amount. There's people that make donations, but th that that night is uh, something that's unique and it's very special. Fantastic, Coach. Appreciate you shedding some light on that. Uh, we'll go ahead and start letting you go here. Uh, if you guys want to follow Coach Davis on Twitter, it's just at FIU Coach Davis. And then if you will want to follow Eric and myself, it's at Eric C. Henry underscore and at J-O-E-H-I-O -E underscore respectively. And, of course, at Underdog Dynasty and underdogdynasty.com every day for more G5 football content. Coach, again, can't thank you enough for your time. Happy football watching, everybody.